the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this podcast, we wanted to talk about a film that we both recently saw that is up for a lot of awards at this time of the year. And uh, it's definitely one that I think would be interesting to talk about. And that film is Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. Uh, so this is a film that's kind of a an anti-hate satire, as it has been uh, labeled. So uh, this is a film that I got to see a few weeks ago. I know, Carrie, you got, just got to see it recently. So uh, we wanted to kind of talk about it and just kind of... I don't know, dig into it a little bit more because I think it's a, it's a really interesting film to talk about because it's, it's one of those movies that you don't see very often. It's very hard to pull off this kind of like, uh, Nazi satire. Yeah. Who thought, who'd have thunk that the words charming, funny, heartwarming would be involved with a movie about Nazis and Adolf Hitler? Right. I mean, I can only re- I can only recall a couple of other times in the history of cinema where that's ever happened. Life is Beautiful is probably the most successful of yeah. those. And yeah, I think that's what's so interesting. I just think just the sheer audacity that this movie even exists is a credit to how Taika Waititi crafts a story. He's he he's one of those rare people for me that I will go see any movie on his name alone. I don't even have to know what it's about. I just have to know that he's doing a movie and I'm like, I'm in. Like, he's one of those rare people that to me, at this point, can do no wrong. And as I've, I've loved everything he's had his hand in. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of guts to make this movie. No yeah. doubt about it. And um, I've liked his other work too. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, of course. I mean... What We Do in the Shadows. The Hunt for the Wilder People, I think, is a very good movie. I didn't love it the way that mm. other people loved it. But um, it is really interesting because The Hunt for the Wilder People, I feel like, has kind of this weird commonality with this movie in a way. I feel like they're almost cousins in the kind of stories that they tell. Mm-hmm. But to me, Jojo Rabbit is a movie that I just love. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I think it's so hard to execute this kind of film. And I do know there are some people, some people that I know that that hated this movie. And they, they really? don't like the depiction of uh, Hitler. And they think it kind of minimizes him. And uh, I just disagree. I disagree. I think this movie, while it it mocks Nazis and fascism, I think that there is a greater story to be told about the kind of um, the conditions that, that I don't know, the, the conditions that create the people that support these kind of fascists and, and authoritarians. Yeah. It takes it into the absurd, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of their I- ideology that really truly was frightening and just out there and absolutely absurd and he really plays into that into the absurdness of it and makes it frighteningly comical i mean there is right. a chilling aspect to it it's not 
you know, completely lighthearted. There's some really dark moments in this movie. Absolutely. And I think the way that he is able to weave that, uh, the the humor, the absolute absurdity, the lightheartedness, and then also those really dark, heavy hitting moments. There were some, I mean, tearjerker moments in this movie. And Taika Waititi, that's one of those things that he's so good at doing is being able to blend and cross those lines. He knows where that line is. You know, and and I think he's an expert at what he does. I know that his type of humor is not for everybody, uh, but I I absolutely love it, and I'm on board for everything. Yeah, I I totally agree. There are some very dark moments. All the the things that happen, uh, you know, surrounding his mother, and you know, some of the other elements of the of the story itself. It does really push you into a, a little darker area, but. At the same time, it is also balanced out by things that are incredibly funny, too. And um, I, I think that the I think you're right when you talk about the absurdity, uh, pointing out the humor and absurdity uh, in the absurdity of it. But that alone, I think, is one thing. I think you can easily make this kind of mocking satire of, you know, the, the Nazi era. But at the same time, I think it, it goes a step further in that it really uh, exposes the conditions that create the kind of person who would be drawn to a Hitler. I mean, if you think about Jojo as a, as a kid in this story, he is a little boy who has been through tragedy. He has been bullied. He uh, has no father figure in his life at the moment. He has no sister in his life at the moment. He gets picked on and, you know... It's it's ultimately a story about how does somebody learn to have empathy when they have not had empathy shown toward them. Well, and it's also about wanting to belong. Oh, you yeah. know, and and that's that's one of the things that he gets faced with that he gets told. It's like, no, the only reason you're wanting to do this is because you're you're wanting to belong to a club. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that I really did like about this movie as well is is how. Taika Waititi was able to show those little glimmers of defiance and those little glimmers of this boy kind of realizing that what he's doing maybe isn't right. And he's trying to follow along with it because he really wants to belong, but there's just, he can just tell it. There's just something not right about it. Right. Right. And I also think, too, that there's some interesting statements in there as the film progresses about the kind of scapegoating and uh, race baiting and some of those kind of things that happen uh, within those kind of fascist movements like that, where they try to label somebody as, you know, essentially labeling the other as the enemy. But then when the when the bombs are dropping and they're in the mode of retreat, they don't care about that. They're on to the next enemy. And there's a little bit of that in in this film that kind of gets exposed in the later uh, stages of the film. And I thought that was really, really well done. There's just so much smart stuff that's happening here, but it exists in this really delicate balance of the the horrors of the reality of Nazi Germany, but the also kind of um, the attempt to tell this sweet and endearing story 
about, you know, empathy and human connection. And I think one of the things that impressed me with um, Taika Waititi's method of storytelling, too, is that to me, knowing how sensitive this subject and this time frame is, there's nothing in it that's offensive. There's nothing in it that's gratuitous. There's a couple moments in this movie that could have been kind of taken over the line and they didn't go there. Um, namely the, the moment um, with what happens to Scarlett Johansson's character. Mm-hmm. I think that that was portrayed with such care, but still being able to really, really tug at your art, your heartstrings without it being just overly gratuitous because they could have yeah. gone there and they didn't. Yeah, I agree. And that actual moment is foreshadowed very, very well. Uh, I think two or three times throughout the film with the, the focus on her shoes and there's yeah. that scene where, uh, they're walking and, you know, she's kind of elevated up above him and he's like at eye level with her shoes. And they do these really good little, um, uh, bits of visual foreshadowing that, that kind of tell you where the story's going to go. And I thought that was great. And I also think that Scarlett Johansson's great in this movie too. She is, but I have to say that the real standout is the main character of Jojo. I unfortunately don't recall his actual name, but um, this little actor just knocks it out of the park. I was absolutely blown away by the range of emotions by such a young actor. Uh, What he was able to convey, both in his delivery of lines, and then this is something that I... I really always focus on anytime I, I notice it in a movie is how somebody is able to convey emotion and, and, and able to say so much without saying any words at all. And he really does that. And for that to come from such a young actor is, is both a testament to him and then also, uh, with Taika Watiti's directing because it's your director that's going to pull that out of the actor as well, especially a young actor. And I was just blown away by his performance. Yeah, child actors really can make or break a film, right? Like, if they are quite good and quite convincing, they can make a film excellent. But a lot of times they can take you right out of it. So it's a, it's always a difficult thing, particularly when you put a child actor kind of front and center in the movie. So there's a there's also kind of a another great filmmaking challenge there. Not only do you have to try to make this thing, which on paper, you know, I, I've seen Taika doing interviews where he's like, that he gets asked, how did you even begin to sell it? And he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't pitch this movie. I had to write the script and show it to them. You know, and so not only is it just getting this movie, but it's also this challenge of uh, putting this, this little kid kind of front and center. And uh, that's why I think it's a little, it's kind of a mini miracle, this movie, that, that it's as good as it is. Yeah. And I, I don't know if anybody could have pulled it off. Um, like, Taika Waititi did I mean he wrote it and directed it as well and um, you know he definitely has a distinct style and he definitely has a way with directing kids you know a lot of his uh, very successful movies do have young children at the center and um, yeah he just he just has an amazing way of getting these incredible performances out of these kids and this is definitely no exception yeah, he does seem to have uh, 
um, a desire to tell stories about kids who are lost. Yeah. It does seem to be a little bit of a thread in his uh, storytelling. And I think that is... That is interesting. I mean, I mean, even if you wanted to to extend that out to Thor Ragnarok a little bit, right? Like, even Thor is kind of a lost son at a certain point in that film, where he's trying to kind of get himself back together. So, I mean, I'm I'm really talking more about Jojo and Hunt for the Wilder People, but you could kind of see some of those elements in there. I just think that he's such a great filmmaking talent that that he really was able to pull this off in a in a way that is really I don't know. It, I I was just blown away by how much I like this movie. Yeah, I I didn't know um I didn't know what to expect really. I mean, I guess in a certain way I kind of did because I have seen all of his other movies and I he's very consistent with his uh type of humor and his really solid storytelling. Um so I I knew and I was confident in that. But the blending of this subject matter i just didn't know how it was going to work and you know with with somebody who i feel has headed out of the park almost every single time it was like oh is this one is this going to be another home run or is this going to be one of his uh is he finally going to stumble not that i was looking forward to that um but yeah this was another home run and um and let's talk about the other performances in this movie as well i mean there's a massive massive cast of characters mm-hmm. um sam rockwell yeah incredible in this He's movie great. so you could just tell that he was just really eating it up and really enjoying it and i loved the arc that his character takes i was not expecting that um and i just again it's a testament to taika watiti's writing yeah yeah, I mean, Rockwell is terrific. He's he's seemingly always great in just about everything that he's in. He's really, really good here. Also, Alfie Allen, kind of a limited role. Also very, very funny. Uh, the, the little boy who plays JoJo's friend, whose name escapes me right now. I love that character so much. I did, too. <laughs> it was like any time he was on screen, it was just like, oh, he's just he's just so pure. You know, just I mean... He's a, he's another kid that obviously he's he's a Nazi, but it's just one of those like he's like a Boy Scout, you know, like he's right, just yeah. doing everything like so pure and like there's no. I don't know. It's just it's so weird to think like there's no hate in his heart, <laughs> but he's right. a Nazi like this doesn't compute. But for some reason it does. It's just the sweetest thing. Well, and that's the interesting thing about this film, right? Like, there's kind of a, um, what was that, like, Wes Anderson movie? Like, it feels like it's a kind of a cousin of that film, in a way, where you have, like, this kind of Hitler youth that's presented as, like, this, like, you know, this, like, Nazi camp that almost looks like the Boy Scouts, only with, of course, Nazi stuff. And um, while that idea is disturbing, it's presented in a way that's just so, like, it, it, it... the absurdity is what comes out. Yeah. The absurdity is what comes out. And I think that's that's the thing. I think there are other variations of that aspect of the film that could be really be like thought of as disturbing and, you know, creepy, but they they 
they really hit home on the satire part. And that's the balance. Because I remember the first trailer for this movie and people were like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Why is Taika dressed as Hitler? What is this? And I remember seeing the rest of the advertising where they were very much like basically in big capital letters, like this is an anti-hate satire. Yeah. And it's a little bit frustrating that you have to like tell people that now, you know, because I think culturally we're just so such a mess. Well, I know, but this subject matter regarding Hitler and Nazis and everything, I think that one, as far as that goes, deserves a pass. Like, I think that kind of needs to have some kind of a. I don't know, a disclaimer or something like, no, really, it's OK, people. <laughs> this one's it's it's all right. Um, yeah, because it, it's such a sensitive topic still. And, and I think and it, it, it always I, I, just, I, I think in, so many things that happened during that era are starting to feel familiar with where we right. are now as well. So there right. are little bits in this movie that kind of gave me hope. <laughs> Right. So. I mean, it's it, it, there is very much. I mean, yes, this is a satire of, you know, fascism and Nazis, but it's also a satire of the idiots with tiki torches in Charlottesville. Like it. Yeah, it very much applies to our modern time as well. And I don't think there's much of an effort to hide that because hate does not know one particular time. Hate is not confined to um, one particular era in our history. There's always some sort of manifestation of hatred and intolerance that exists in our culture. And this is how we kind of expose it and we mock it. And that that's the thing is like, I don't think he's necessarily kind of making fun of uh, or like kind of making light or showing showing Nazism or Hitler in a humorous light, I think he is mocking them. And through mockery, you it, it, it's one of the greatest forms of um, resistance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and like I said as well, with the little bits of resistance that happen throughout the movie, um, just the little bits with Jojo himself and his turn of thought and then the bits of resistance from his mother and um and then also sam rockwell's character later on um twice does two small but very impactful um you know resisting things with one where the gestapo um comes into jojo's home after you know discovering you know, we, we find out after discovering the stuff that happened with uh, Jojo's mom and, you know, we haven't even talked about the girl that Jojo's yeah, mom Elsa. had been harboring Elsa in the house. Um, she comes out with her own, you know, moment of defiance to, you know, to save herself. And, uh, you know, it's surprising that we learn later on that Sam Rockwell was an ally to her yeah and and something so simple by and i thought it was so well done the way it was revealed that she gets asked she's trying to pretend that she is jojo's sister because they look very similar and 
she's asked for her papers and they're asking her questions. And one of the questions is, you know, what was the date of your birth? And she says, May 1st. And then, you know, they, things are very tense and they end up leaving. And then we find out later she's kind of shook and she's looking at the paper. She's like, her birthday, it was May 6th. Right. It wasn't the first. And it was Sam Rockwell's character was the one who was saying, oh, she checks out. Yeah, everything's correct. And that that scene itself is actually preceded by another scene where she's having a conversation with Jojo about, um, like, confronting a monster. And that is inevitably what she does. Yeah. So that Very was more great so. foreshadowing that was in there. And and she's great. I think uh, Thomasine McKenzie is the name of the actress. Uh, she's terrific in this movie as well. Yeah, she was very stoic. Um, I love how the the relationship with her and Jojo first starts off where she's like, Nope, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play into all of your absurdity. Yep, you're right. This is this is exactly how I am. Mm-hmm. I'm this crazy beast that hangs upside down when I sleep and just all of these things. It's just it's in in some ways, it, it ends up being very lighthearted and sweet, the relationship between the two of them and how it changes and evolves. And um, I just I thought that that was the way that it's unravel unraveled, the way that it develops, I thought was so sweet. And especially with like the little letters that Jojo was composing for her and Oh, it just melts your heart. It was just yeah. so wonderfully done. And so much of that is allegorical, right? Like yeah. he he only knew what the propaganda was enforcing upon him, right? Like what right. he was getting from that Nazi propaganda. But then you actually meet a person and you get to know them. It's it's this idea of the kind of institutionalized propagandized opinion on the other versus when you actually have that kind of human connection. It is really very much uh, human connection versus social perception of, of those who would, who seek to be kind of dishonest in their, in, in the way they approach things. So I, I mean, I really love that. It, it's, it's just so true of, you know, every, situation where we are confronted with hatred of the other and we have seen an uptick of that in our current culture in recent years so i think that that is a beautiful statement about that And, and and so much of this seems to be about like love versus hate you know when you look at the kind of nazi institution this kind of blind hatred versus the love and compassion that he's taught by his mother and and that inevitably wins out because it is through that kind of love and compassion that he has taught that he is able to um that he is able to kind of have that empathy and learn that empathy which is a really beautiful aspect of the story well and it's so true and as you had said and and nowadays that's why you have these isolated rural communities that are historically and still very conservative and are more apt to 
um, buy into a lot of propaganda that's happening nowadays. And you have these very large cities that tend to be more liberal and more democratic. And because it, they are these massive melting pots of people and you are living amongst people of all different races and creeds and religions. And in doing so, you realize that we all want the same things. We all want to live. We all want to be happy. We all want to look out for our families and we all want to love and we're all people, you know? And I think that you, you, you see that uh, reflected in this movie and in what Jojo learns as when he finally meets a Jew for the first time and, you know, realizes, no, she's, she's not different. She's not this weird fell beast that we've been told about that she's just a person. Right. Right. And I think, you know, the susceptibility of children to buy into some of that propaganda also is kind of put on display here in the film. Another scene that I wanted to talk about is the scene where Scarlett Johansson does kind of the mother and father bit. Yeah. I really love that. I think she's terrific in that scene. And it also underscores one of the things that's at the heart of this movie. One of the things that, that Taika himself talks about is that it's kind of a love letter to single moms because, you know, his mother was a, a single mother. Uh, she was also Jewish. So there's a lot of like, I don't know, it's kind of a personalized aspect of the story for him through her. And I think that works very, very well. Yeah, it was incredibly powerful and i think though her role wasn't as large in this movie as i thought it was going to be it definitely even though the screen time let me say this maybe the screen time isn't as much as i thought it would be the impression that she has over this movie is massive and it's no surprise yeah and it's no surprise that she was recognized for it yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I You know, I just keep coming back to this film when I think about its importance and, and why it needs to exist. Like, particularly now where, you know, obviously nothing will ever compare to the World War II era and all of the atrocities that were committed uh, in Nazi Germany during the, the Third Reich and, and those kind of things. Um, but I also think it is important to keep in mind that the kind of dehumanization and the depersonalization of the other is something that still takes place a lot today, particularly with the anonymity of the internet, where people are no longer taking responsibility for the things that they say. There's no emotional responsibility taken, so people just say some of the most awful things. So it it does feel like people are susceptible to propaganda now in ways that they, you know, in, in ways that they have been historically. It's like, in a way, we've kind of... um We've lost a little bit of our, um, we've lost a little bit of our our kind of detector for some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it just uh, kind of leads it, me back to why human connections are so important. It's it you know it's it's incredibly true and um, as as powerful as this movie is, unfortunately, I don't, I really don't see a lot of people that could benefit 
from the message of this movie, I don't see that message getting through to them. I mean, I I would hope that it would. I would hope that it would, because you're right. I mean, you have traveled all over the world. Um, you know, you and I have both traveled to a lot of different places. And, you know, you're right. I see it in the places that I've been as well, where people just want to have kind of all have the same thing. It's community and safety and prosperity and uh, I think that that those wants are very simple, but um, we also need to kind of break through some of our our misconceptions that we have about people. And and you know, you're right. There are a lot of rural areas of the country that have misconceptions about urban areas of the country, and there are some misconceptions that urban areas have of suburban of rural areas of the country too. Um, I think the problem comes when we just generalize each other way too much. But I, I just think that what this film is really good at is kind of calling out the reasons why we hate and exposing them. Yeah. And um, I, 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 again, I can't help but focus on those little bits of defiance and just seeing that turn and those little glimmers of... Um, I don't know, maybe consciousness or something, wokeness that happens with Jojo, you know, just little bits where he's like, this doesn't seem right. You know, um, that's well, like recognition. It, that's of one of humanity. the things that gives me hope with things that are happening nowadays. Yeah. It's recognition of another person's humanity. Yeah. You know, and, and seeing that they, that people are often not the monsters that they are perceived to be or that, we are engineered to believe that they are. Well, and then also when Jojo is in camp and he's um, he's feeling uncomfortable with some of the stuff that they're doing, he's trying to put on a brave face. But then when all of a sudden they're uh, the people in the camp where their hatred is turned towards him, that's a massive I think that's a massive waking up moment for him. Um, he tries to mask it and and tries to, you know, fight it. But you can see that he's just in that moment. It's like, why are they aiming this hatred towards me? Right. Right. You and know, if also... they're, they're being so hatred, hateful to me, you know, maybe that other hatred is misguided as well. And there's also the idea of doing something stupid to try to win over the people who are picking on you, you know? Yeah. And and that he suffers he suffers for. And and one of the things that I really like about this is, you know, when he kind of has that moment, he has that scar that's on his face, and over the course of the film the scar starts to heal. Yeah. And I think that's really, really awesome. It's a it's a um you know, oftentimes villains are marked by some, you know, the kind of mark of the beast thing that we have in storytelling. So villains have that mark and uh, it starts to heal, which was honestly something that was kind of cool in The Rise of Skywalker uh, when uh, Ben starts to heal. I thought that was kind of neat. Mm, yeah. The scar in his face heals. Yeah. 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 So we start to see that. And it's, it's very similar in this film as well, where you you see that and, you know, it's kind of. I don't know, the monster dying and the humanity coming forward. Yeah, when at that moment when he pulls the lightsaber and um, saves Elsa, totally true. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that would have been a very difficult film to make. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not out of his wheelhouse now. Taika Waititi has directed an episode of The Mandalorian and is now being uh, sought after or offered, um, I guess, uh, Star Wars movies. So, you know, yeah. it's it's a gateway. You know, and, and you know, what's really funny is that essentially the Empire in Star Wars, they were space Nazis. It was, yep. it was a lot of World War II allegory that went into to that film as well. Yeah, very much um, so. Yeah. And I think that's, that's again, I, I keep coming back to this idea that this film was a little kind of mini miracle because it, by all rights, particularly right now, it shouldn't exist. Yeah. It's a time where people get pissed off about everything. So, like, Taika Waititi's going to dress as Hitler for it to be some kid's imaginary friend. On paper, that looks crazy. It looks <laughs> crazy that anybody would ever go see a film like that. And then you kind of understand the overall context of it. And it actually is a very sweet, lovely film that puts out a positive message about empathy and humanity. I think if it was anybody other than Taika Waititi that was pitching that movie, it would not have been made. Because I don't I think it would I don't think it would have even been given a chance. But because of his track record uh, in in touching on sensitive subjects, um it's like it was the right time. And I, it makes me wonder, and I have not seen any interviews, any behind the scenes things with the process of this movie. I have no idea. So I'm, I'm wondering, when did he come up with the concept of this? Um, because it makes me wonder, was this something that he had thought about a while ago, but he knew that it wouldn't get made? He knew he would never get the green light on this. But now... Right that he has the clout that he does and he's proven himself to be an adept um, filmmaker that he would at least get that foot in the door. He would at least have somebody be able to take it seriously because if it, like I said, if it was anybody else, if it was at any other time um, in his career, I don't think it would have gotten that chance. Right. Absolutely. And uh, and that's the thing, is this is based on a book. Uh, the book was called Caging Skies. I so, did not know that, actually. Yeah, so it is based on a book. But that being said, it's actually kind of a, a very large deviation from the source material, mm. where it's kind of um, ramped. It, it, it's, um, it's like the, the path is similar, but... It kind of it it. I think it's more of a satire. The film is right. So then it makes me wonder: How did this get presented to Taika Waititi? Did he discover this book, or did somebody recommend it to him? I'm just I'm so I'm always curious about that process. Um, so hopefully, now that it's received recognition and. You know, we're a few weeks away from the Oscars, and usually you get that little, those little bits of insight um, right. into the filmmaking process. That maybe we will learn that because I'm always forever fascinated with with how those little nuggets got planted. But also, I will say, like the book did not have the um, like the imaginary friend Hitler at all. Hmm, interesting. Like, the book is much different. Yeah. In terms of like, it's a much more serious kind of 
uh, depiction. It is still kind of a lot about kind of like learning empathy and things like that, but I think it is a, a very large deviation from what the source material was. But it's still... <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I think it 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 lands at a similar place. The pay uh, it lands in a similar place, but it takes very different roads to get there. Gotcha. And one of the other things that put this film over the top for me is the the use of one of my favorite David Bowie songs, kind of towards the end of the film. Uh, always makes me happy to hear it. Oh, the heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when not in English, it's still amazing. Well, and I, well, it was at the very end of the movie, actually. Um, yeah. And I, I thought that that moment was so powerful, too. That, that, oh, it's just that little moment where, you know, the city that he's in has been bombed and basically the Americans have come in. And I just love that Americans are always shown as just being just over the top and <laughs> they don't oh, even yeah. really have much to do but they're just basically yelling and waving the american flag and it's like yeah that's pretty much the perception of americans across the world <laughs> and in some cases it's very true um yeah, there's an old Eddie Izzard joke about that it's very funny uh but just that little moment where jojo is like okay she can be free but i don't want her to be yeah and he's like no we we won nope you, you know, but, you know, I figured out a way for you to escape. And it's like he he it's like you can see that he's grappling with that. Like he has that moment where I, I can keep her here. But I, I, I shouldn't. She needs to not be kept in my walls. Um, and I, again, it's just it's a testament to. Taika Waititi's writing, directing, and the portrayal, and just the acting of this little boy, that they were able to convey so much in that little scene, um, that conflict that he was having with wanting her to stay, but knowing she should go, and um, and then ultimately when he, you know, she walks outside, and he doesn't even tell her but she sees what's happening because she sees the americans go by and just that moment where he's like well, what are you going to do now and it's just so beautiful and wonderful and funny and it's that heartwarming lightheartedness that taika watiti excels at yeah i totally agree i think that We've said it before on this show a whole number of times that stories are important and, um, you know, through stories we can learn all kinds of things. I mean, propaganda is a form of storytelling, too. And I think, um, you know, what's great about this story is that it talks a lot about humanity and empathy and those things being in conflict with, you know, in some cases, potential belonging when we may be in situations where we feel like we do not belong. And, you know, there's just a lot of layered storytelling going on there. And I think that's why um, I, I was so excited to talk about this film today, because it really does hit at some important storytelling. Yeah, completely. Sorry. I'm just kind of lost in the moment and thinking about <laughs> the end of the movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, this this movie really does give you a lot to chew on, a lot to think about, and I think it's one that 
uh, will help will hold up over multiple viewings. And it's one that I definitely do want to see again. Um, uh, like I said, for me, Taika Waititi is somebody who can do no wrong. I've heard that another movie that he's going to be working on um, focuses on Native Americans. So I'm really excited to see what and how he approaches that because i'm not sure what angle it's going to come from yeah i'm not sure Uh, i do think that it's great to see jojo rabbit get a lot of recognition got nominated for a bunch of oscars which is very exciting uh it's not going to win best picture that's that's i feel like that one is i feel like that one is locked uh and the film that i think is going to win is a film that i think we should definitely talk about because it's yeah i'm gonna right go see it this week alley uh <laughs> yeah we'll talk about that when we get there but um it is great seeing taika getting the recognition because this really is a, a sweet and endearing story set against the backdrop of our greatest like horror anything else on uh, jojo rabbits i have spoken all right, cool. Is that going to be your new <laughs> sign-off line? This is the way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so you've heard our thoughts on Jojo Rabbit, but we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at Netflix Chill. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Throw us a five-star review. Uh, if you like what we're talking about, you can also check out all of our new stuff at lrmonline.com. And while you're there, check out the network of podcasts. A lot of cool stuff there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, may the force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>